Welcome to the 2021 season of Run My West Coast. I'm your host, Eddie Klein. Run My West Coast is a podcast for runners interested in Holland Haven Marathon and running in West Michigan. So hey, this is the final episode before the race. We got a lot to talk about, and I'm going to get right into it. It's a little rundown of what we're going to talk about. First, I'm going to talk about how the course turns are not marked. Uh, some course descriptions, some stuff about packet pickup, race joys, spectators, parking, volunteers, our race director shakeout run, and our first interview on the podcast, Kevin Vanderklok, who is the executive director at Camp Geneva. So let's get going here. Uh, first of all, how the course turns are not marked. So this is a funny story that sometimes could be funny, but not funny. So it wasn't funny at the time. So a few years ago, I'm the race director. I'm putting on this race and I had gone out and marked the course, you know, a couple days before thought everything was good. And I'm down at the after party, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, drinking a beer and just hanging out. Cause the race has going, been going on for a couple hours now. And all of a sudden, a couple guys come up to me, and they're really mad. And they say, the course turns are not marked. I'm like, what? Uh, come to find out, there was one major turn on the course that I didn't mark. And I forgot about it. And I guess when I was marking the course, I didn't really think I needed to mark this one because there was going to be a volunteer there, like, telling people to turn. There was going to be a cop there directing traffic, telling people to turn. So I'm like, oh, this one's so obvious and everybody's seen the map, they're going to know to turn at this at this turn, so it's not a big deal. Well, guess what? Volunteer didn't show up. Cops didn't show up. There's nobody there. So the lead biker, the cyclist for the half marathon winner, he turns the corner because he knows the course. He takes the first person around the corner. Well, second, third, and fourth are so far behind the winner, they don't know it. They don't make the turn. They go like a quarter mile beyond it or so in the wrong direction have to turn around come back figure out where they're at and so these guys would have been like second third fourth in the race they were mad about that so man I felt really bad of course I had to like apologize to death gave them all free entries for the next year you know everything I could do but man did I learn my lesson on that one so that was a bad that was a bad situation so yeah that that year that course turn was not marked now ever since then it's it's been marked way better. I've done a lot more arrows and signs and made sure volunteers are there and and uh, tried to really get the course marked. Now, we did have a little trouble last year even with the course marking on the 8K because I marked it like we always do. Lots of arrows on the ground, lots of turn arrows and where you got to go. But uh, we had we had such a struggle getting volunteers, we didn't get a course marshal for one, that first turn on, on the 8K. And uh, we've never done the 8K in the dark. Last year with the COVID protocols, we had to start everyone so early to get everyone through these corrals that we actually started the race in the dark, and it was kind of rainy that morning. And, uh, yeah, just a handful of people, not the not the leaders, but a handful of people did miss the turn, a turn on the 8K too. So that one was marked, but it was just hard to see. I really felt bad about that one too. So this year I know there's a course marshal at that one. I know there's a course marshal at the one I didn't mark for for the half, and uh, – I'm definitely following up with our course marshals more often this this time around and making sure that the people that are saying they're going to be there will be there. So for sure in the 2021 race, the course turns are marked and we won't be making that mistake again. Um, so getting into the courses a little bit, and I've talked about them before, you know, the full and the half are both point to point. You ride your bus out to the 
starting line and you run back to the finish. The AK is a loop. And so you run out, loop around, come back to where you started. Every, every race is on a bike path. And so, you know, it's six feet wide. You got to make a little bit of elbow room at the beginning, but it spreads out once you get going. And the, really the only course that's got a little bit of hill on it is the full marathon. That first half of that full marathon is a little bit hilly. Uh, there's a few hills that are, yeah, they could be tough, but there's not too many of them, and you'll get through them. And then once you get to the second half of your full marathon, which is the half course, then it's really going to be flat. And the 8K is flat as well. So, And, and uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of shade too on these courses. You're in a lot of tree cover, a lot of canopy. So if it does end up being a sunny day, shouldn't be too bad out there for you if there's some bright sunshine. Oh, one thing about the buses that I just found out is we do have to wear masks on buses, and this is just the, for a school bus kind of policy. That's just a CDC mandate um, throughout the state of Michigan, and we are using school buses. So if you're going to ride the bus to the full start or to the half start, just plan to throw on a mask on while you're sitting on that bus for 20 minutes. It's not going to be the end of the world. Once you get there, you can either throw it away or put it in your gear check bag or put it in your pocket or whatever. So just have a mask with you if you're going to jump on the bus. And you're not required to ride the bus. If you don't want to ride the bus, drive your car up there, have a friend drive you up there. Hey, run up there. You know, get double the mileage, whatever you feel like doing. But I'm, I'm really grateful to even have the buses because last year we couldn't even have buses. Uh, they said, no way. Um, it's, it's school kids only on buses. And we had a really hard time transporting runners. So let's just be grateful we even have buses because the way things are looking right now, even having a race, we got to be grateful. So let's just be grateful for, for anything that we get to do this year. Um, we are adding, speaking of the course, I'm talking a little bit about aid stations. We are adding some food at the aid station. So I knew we were going to add some food at the aid stations. I just didn't really know what it was going to be. And we finally kind of got that nailed down. So mile 20 of the full marathon, which is mile seven of the half, that is the blueberry station. That one has always been the blueberry station. And one of our great partners, Bowerman Blueberries, they come out. They give out blueberries along with the standard aid station water and Gatorade stuff. But So they'll be playing on blueberries. Now that aid station, even though it's our mile 20 aid station, it's really about mile 20 and a half. So don't freak out when you get to mile 20 and you're not quite to the aid station just because that's where their building is located. So it's a little bit past the mile 20 marker, the mile 7 marker for the half. Uh, but you will get some blueberries there, which are very refreshing. Mile 22 is going to be our goldfish station. And so... You get up there, you're feeling a little bit like you need some salty snacks. You've been running for quite a while, or maybe if you're in the half, you've been running for nine miles. So get some salty goldfish when you get up there. And then mile 24, when you're just two miles from the finish, that is going to be our candy station. So we're looking for some Starburst, some Skittles, a little bit of that, that sugar, a little pick-me-up just to get them last two miles in. You're going to you're going to hit it hard and go back towards the finish line. And that's also on the 8K loop, so the 8K runners – they're about two and a half miles in. They're going to get some candy as well. So that's kind of fun. we got a couple food stations out there on the course that I, I think everyone's going to enjoy being able to have a little something besides water and, and Gatorade. And, of course, if you want to bring your own water, wear a Camelback, any kind of water bottle, it's fine. Gatorade, food, gel packets, carry anything you want with you. We're perfectly fine with that. Not a problem. One thing about the aid stations, too, is we are doing the the recyclable cups provided by Hiccup Earth. They're like a blue silicone cup. We ask you to put those into the recycle barrel, not the trash can. 
once you get through the aid station or, you know, just toss it to a, a volunteer and they'll put it in there for you. But, uh, those of you are turning back into that company, that's their business and they need those back so they can, uh, wash them up, use them for the next race. So please don't take them home. They're not souvenirs. They are, uh, reusable cups that we've just had the pleasure to be able to use those and save a lot of trash and a lot of cleanup on the part of our volunteers going to the dumpster and stuff like that. So it's gonna be really cool to use those this year. I'm excited about that. Um, let's talk about some other stuff. Gazelle Sports is really stepped up this year, and they've been one of our longtime partners. They're the running store here in Holland, and I'm always, you know, pleased to work with them. But this year they've gone above and beyond. This year, in addition to being our race winners partner, where you know they're giving us they're giving us gift cards for the winners, but in additionally, we are going to have our Holland Haven Marathon merchandise in their store. So if you go to 24 West 8th Street, downtown Holland, starting the day after Labor Day, September 7th, you can walk in there and buy a Holland Haven t-shirt, a Holland Haven hat, sticker, a mug, coffee cup, mug, whatever, all the stuff we have on merchandise is going to be right there in their store. So you don't have to order it online. You don't have to wait till race day. You can just go right in inside there. And that's going to be there all the way through packet pickup and, our packet pickup is also at Gazelle Sports. So go into Gazelle Sports uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday, September 11th to 8 o'clock. So 3 to 8 on the 11th is our packet pickup. You can come in there. You can get your bib. You can get your race shirt. And you can buy some cool Holland Haven merchandise right there on site. You don't have to wait till race day. And like I said, the week up leading up to it. So really appreciate Gazelle stepping up, letting us do that this year. It's going to be awesome. Really excited about that. Um, there's also late packet pickup on race morning. So if you can't make it to pack a pickup at Gazelle, go to your go to your start line, whether whether you're in the 8K or the half or the full, and we'll have a late bat late, uh, bib and packet pickup right there. You can grab your stuff like an hour before the race and get your bib, and you'll be ready to get right on the race course and go. Uh, what else we got today? Race Joy. So if you haven't used Race Joy before, I really highly recommend it because it's, it's just kind of a cool concept because it's this digital app that you're going to use where it's going to be tracking you. So you can get your mileage, you can get your time, you can get your splits. It's going to tell you your split times while you're running. It's going to tell you your estimated finish time while you're running. So it gives you some really cool data. And a lot of people are really data-driven these days. They want to know where they're at and how fast they're going and all that good stuff. So that's really cool. The other thing you can do is uh, get some course information on there. It's going to, like, there's mapping and stuff like that. So if you need to see that, it's out there. Um, you can get custom cheers. So I, as the race director, set up some cheers that are in that race joy thing. So you're going to get a little bit of, hey, good job, or hey, get going, or some music in there that's going to kind of be inspirational while you're running, which is cool. And you can also have... Um, Fans or spectators set up cheers to send to you. So your mom could say, you know, hey, Joe, great job. Keep it up or something like that. Like somebody else can put in a cheer for you, kind of something that they can do from the app. And so if your friends or your family or your race fans have the RaceJoy app, they can send you cheers. They can find out where you are. They can know exactly when you're going to finish. So it's really cool for the spectator part of it because if they want to drive around the course and see where you are, this thing is tracking your GPS and it's broadcasting right out to the app. So it's really good for uh, for all those reasons. So if you haven't used RaceJoy before, 
download it, use it. Not every race has race joy and, and we're happy to be able to use it because we use the run sign up platform for our registration. So check it out, get out there and uh, download race joy. So speaking of spectators, when I was just talking about that, a couple things to know about being a, a race spectator at Holland Haven, like our, all of our roads are open to the public, right? So we're running on a bike, bike path. And so we don't have to worry about closing down roads. So you can drive around the course pretty easily. It's not like a closed course where you can't get to it. But what I, what I see a lot every year is people driving the course and then they're stopping on the side of the road and they are blocking up traffic trying to see runners. So I really encourage you to tell anyone coming to watch you at the race to pull off on a side street, pull off um, in a parking lot somewhere, and then watch you go by. Don't don't stop on the road and try to take pictures or stop in the shoulder and, you know, try to cheer you on. It's just it really is caused a lot of congestion in a lot of years past. So let's try to make sure that people are getting off the road and finding out where you are and then they can cheer you on and and you know, there's so many places on the course, you know, especially like the full marathon course. It's 18 miles down Lakeshore Drive before you even make a turn. And so there's just this wide open space of road that you can really view a lot of people. And then, of course, the start line, the finish line, everything has free parking all over the place. So they can park there. You can park there. Um, there's maps on our run sign-up page for all those, those start and finish areas. So if they want to see you or if you need to park, just check those out on run sign-up under, under parking. And if you can't figure that out, let me know or, um, you know, ask some questions and we'll get it, we'll get it figured out for you. But that's definitely, uh, something that people can do is, is park and, and watch you run. Um, quick note about volunteers. It does take 150 volunteers to put on this race and we are still in need of more. They're hard to get. I mean, you've, you've seen how, how hired it is for restaurants to hire people and, and every other company's trying to hire people. I think volunteers are the same way or like, Scraping up people to help with something are it's kind of difficult right now, and and we have a couple aid stations that are very unmanned right now, and some course marshal spots that are open, and you know I really want to make this the best race for you when you're running this race, and it counts on volunteers, and honestly we can't put on our best product if we don't have the people to help. So if you know somebody, or if you yourself can volunteer, please sign up and just help out for one day and. And just make this race the best it can be because we really put a lot of effort into it. And the runners put so much effort into it trying to get ready for the. I mean, they're running all summer long in this, in this heat and humidity in Michigan, and they're busting their butts. So they deserve the best race, and we really need the volunteers to make it possible. So if you can do that, please find some volunteers for us or volunteer yourself and come out on race day and, and just enjoy it because it's really a good time. I don't think it's going to feel like a job. It's not going to feel like volunteering. It's going to just feel like, oh, I'm a fun part of this fun event and you're going to have a blast. So check that out. Um, another thing I want you to check out, which is something we just did last year. And last year was kind of under the we- under the radar because I didn't want to broadcast it too big because we were not allowed to gather, but the race director shakeout run. And so last year I just kind of said, hey, I'm going to go do this little run. If anyone wants to come out, it'd be awesome. And about 20 people showed up and we went out for a little run. So this year is kind of more formal, like it's actually going to happen. And so what we do is we meet up at uh, Dunton Park, which is on Howard Avenue. And it is about a mile from the finish line for all three races. 
And so it's along the half course. It's along the 8K course. It's along the full course. So we're going to get on the course, actually, and run. About three miles is what we run. We run a little bit of the 8K. We run past the candy station, and we circle around. And it's, this is not a race. It's not any formal. It's You can just leisurely jog, or you can run it all out. But it's, it's a shakeout run. It's just fun to get out there. I like to meet as many runners as I can. It's a good chance for me because, you know, Race day is pretty busy for me. So this is this is the day before race day. This is Saturday Saturday the 11th, and it's at 8.30 in the morning, uh, 9.11 at 8.30 a.m., and we meet at Dutton Park. And so anybody that wants to, even if you're not in the race, I don't care. You can just be a volunteer. You can be someone who likes to run. Come out and uh, just be part of this little run, and you don't have to register. You don't have to let me know you're going to be there. It's just an open community run, and... We get out and, and do a little jog, a little run around, and then we just chat a little bit about Holland Haven Marathon or whatever and have a good time. So I uh, appreciate if you come out and do that. There is a Facebook event for that. If you're looking to get some more information or if you want to uh, put some comments out there, Race Director Shakeout Run, you'll find it on the Holland Haven Facebook page. Okay, so coming up next, what I got is our first ever interview on the podcast. So I'm excited about that. I've been thinking we would do some interviews on this podcast, and uh, it's taken a couple episodes to get to it. So I'm excited to say that Kevin Vanderklok, who is the executive director of Camp Geneva, is our first interview. And Camp Geneva has been our longtime partner, charity partner of this race, and also where we start the half marathon. So a huge part of the race. And Kevin and I, we talk a lot about Camp Geneva, what the kids are doing there, how awesome of a camp it is and all the stuff they do. And, and then also the camper scholarship fund, the, the fund we try to help kids get into camp every year with by donating and, and this race being part of it. And also a little bit about Holland Haven, how Holland Haven happens at Camp Geneva and what goes on there. So a lot of good information there and what's going on uh, with Camp Geneva. So I'll let us, let's get into it. You'll find out all that information, and uh, here's my interview with Kevin. Hey, Kevin. How hey, you doing? It? Good. How are you, Eddie? Good. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Such an honor. Yeah. Well, you're my first guest, so that's a pretty honorary position to, to come on the first time anybody. So it's just been me talking like to anybody and everybody for the first couple episodes, so it's great to be able to talk to somebody else for once. Well, I'm gl- I'm grateful that you're here and grateful to be associated with the Holland Haven Marathon. Yeah, and it's been so awesome to have you host it for so many years and and let us do it and and just being on the camp today. We're in we're sitting in your office and looking around and I see the campers, all their bags are sitting outside. They're coming in, they're going out, and it's just another beautiful day in Michigan with sun shining on the lake. So it's just a great facility. So just getting out here and looking at it again is just awesome for me. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe that we're actually approaching the end of summer. I don't like thinking about it, but we're in our second to last week of camp, and we say goodbye to campers today, and we welcome the last group next week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny when you get finished up a big event like a camp season or, for me, the, a race, it's it's bittersweet, though, because you're like, ah, oh, I can breathe a little bit, but it's also like I'm going to miss all this stuff because it's so much fun to put it all together and get all the people. I can't imagine the work that goes into planning a race that's done in a day. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thought process because for you, you're planning something that goes on for months, whereas I'm planning, you know, you're right, something that goes on for six or seven hours and that's it. Wow. Uh, so let's talk about Camp Geneva. What 
you know, what's going on here? What's been going on here? What's past, present, future? What's it look like? Who's, who's here? Staff, campers, volunteers, what you guys do, and just kind of give us an overview so we get an idea of it. Sure. Thanks so much. Yeah. So if you want to go way back, I was sharing with you before we um, started recording that if you want, if you go back to 1946, the camp property was purchased for $29,000. That's a quarter mile of Lake Michigan frontage. Is that just mind blowing? That is mind blowing. I don't think you could buy a grain of sand out there right now for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so we're so grateful to people that have wanted this to be a camp since the forties. And we celebrate our 75th anniversary here in a few years. And Camp is a place where we welcome around 4,000 kids every summer out to the lakeshore here in Holland. And kids come from, I always say, from the 196 corridor. So from Holland to Grand Rapids, and then we have pockets in Chicago and around Lansing and Fort Wayne, Indiana, of all places, is another uh, grouping or geography where we serve kids from. And then we welcome them to camp with almost 100 summer staff. So these are college-age students from about 30, we'll say 32 colleges from around the United States. We have people from the East Coast, West Coast, North, South, and they all come together because they've heard from a friend or someone else that you can work on Lake Michigan and work with kids and um, have a great summer. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That I, I had no idea your reach was that far. Uh, cause I just always think of it as a local camp. Cause I got lots of friends around the Holland area who send their kids here. So I just think, Oh, it's just kids going there from Holland, but that makes sense that people are coming from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we're grateful and we consider it a huge privilege that these college students want to work here and parents want to send their kids to camp. Uh, this summer specifically, we weren't sure what to expect coming out of COVID Right. And we are 100% full for the summer. We're obviously near the end, but going into the summer, we are 100% full with over 400 kids on the wait list. So we're trying to figure out ways to expand capacity as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel you because we, I did the same thing with the race, especially last year. We had we had to shut our registration down just because we were restricted and we had over 100 people on our wait list wow. when, when we finally had the race. So. It's a good problem to have, but it's also a bad problem to have because you hate to turn people away, right? Especially people who are really, they're eligible. They want to be there. They want to, they want to give you the money, which you need, and they want to support the organization. So, yeah, that's a tough one. I hope you can figure out a way to get more campers in here. Well, we're working on it, so we'll, uh, we'll keep plugging away. And I do want to mention, um, so we're a faith-based camp. We're a Christian camp, and we... Um, a lot of people wonder who started us or who we're affiliated with. And we're a non-denominational camp that was started by people in the Reformed Church. Yeah, And so we're grateful for our history. And we also um, love it that so many different people want to come. Yeah, that's that's cool that you're all inclusive because, I, you know, some camps are not like that. They're, they're, in, they're in one faith or another. And so I, I can see that's probably why you're getting people from around the state and from other states too. If you have that all-inclusive, it probably makes a big difference. Yeah, we like to say we major in the majors. <laughs> that's cool. That's a good little slogan. So we uh, we try to stay out of the minors and, and focus on Jesus and go from there. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, so tell me, like, when the kids are at camp, what are they doing? What's going on here? 
Yeah, so they start in the morning where they're all they're sleeping, right? And at about seven o'clock, the lifeguard walks into the cabin and yells, "Rise and shine! It's polar bear time!" Oh and all my the goodness! Kids, uh, get their bathing suits on and walk down to Lake Michigan, and they jump in for their polar bear entry. And then they the cabin wins a prize with the best polar bear entry into Lake Michigan. Is this every single day they do this? Every single day. Oh wow! What about if it's like pouring rain or something? Like they still go. But if it's not lightning or thunder and the the waves aren't too big, they'll still go in. Or if Lake Michigan isn't cooperating, we go what we call pooler bearing. Oh, um, so we'll jump in the pool uh, first thing in the morning. And if the, it's thunder and lightning, then we um, take a cold shower. Oh my goodness! So no matter what, these kids are getting wet. And then the, and then at the end of the week, if they do it every day, because it's not required, this is an optional activity, but. Everybody goes down there, whether they jump in or not. But if ever if you do it every day, you get a patch. And we've been giving out polar bear patches as far back as I can remember. And it's fun to see some folks who have grandkids at camp that come and show us their polar bear patch from when they were here. That is so cool. I think if you just if you took it to like the next level and had them roll around on the beach afterward, they could be like a Navy SEAL training. Like you're really training these kids to be pretty hardcore. That and that's a great life school skill to just be like, you gotta get up and you gotta do something every day because so many people don't feel like especially in the last year and a half where we've been on lockdown a lot of people have been at home it's so easy to not get up and do something every day so having that like these kids know they're going to get up and do something hard every day it's going to wake them up it's going to shock the system I think that's a great idea and it's really cool if they get a, a reward at the end of uh, camp week and say hey you did this that's really yeah. awesome yeah and and that is the especially after the couple couple years that we've been in you know, for kids to just be kids, Eddie, yeah. there's so many things that are going on where they've got to think about things or they're burdened with information that kids shouldn't have to be burdened with. And I think it's pretty sweet that they can come to camp and be in nature and celebrate being a kid. Yeah, that's in, in the connectivity, right? They're they're not on social. They're not on their iPads. They're here with people. They're interacting uh, and there's not restrictions uh, that they've had where they couldn't be at school or they missed out events. Like you're right, you're out in nature. You're reconnecting with the earth, you know, with your faith. You're you're just part of what's here, and I think that's a really cool for camp. That's why I'm so excited that we can help kids get into camp uh, through the Holland Haven Marathon. So tell me some more. They've jumped in the water. Yep, they're probably cold. Yep. They're probably hungry. So now what are they doing all day? So then they go and get dress, shower, whatever um, prep work, and then they go to have breakfast. So we uh, we eat breakfast outside of picnic tables. Oh, yeah. And so the counselor goes and gets the food and serves it family style, and they, they eat eat with one another. And then they'll, after breakfast, they'll, do, they'll clean the cabin up and get the cabin tidied, and then the uh, lifeguards will come back through and grade them on how clean the cabin is, and then they get awards at lunch based on who had the cleanest cabin. There's a clean cabin award. Oh yeah, uh, that's distributed, and the council. It's quite a pride uh, thing amongst the staff. That sounds like it. Yeah. So then they'll they'll do a cabin activity, and that that could be a game of volleyball. It could be an arts and crafts. It could be shooting archery. It could be a number of things. So they do that as a cabin group. Sure. And then there's a Bible study and then lunch. And then after lunch, there's a all camp game, like good old capture the flag or we play oh. games called color wars and paint faces. And 
go around. Basically, most camps are running around looking for something while someone's chasing you. <laughs> hey, you wears them out and it gets them to do something that's team oriented, right? So they have to work together. Yeah. And then we give them, then there's a portion of the day where they sign up for it, what we call an interest group activity. So we, each day they change. And so one of the popular ones this summer of all things is synchronized swimming. Really? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's quite at the Olympic level uh, <laughs> when you're talking fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, but yeah, they'll do things like synchronized swimming or we'll have some art project or we try to meet kids where their interests are. So we sure. offer a wide variety. And, you know, we always joke, or at least around here, about that whole underwater basket weaving <laughs> yeah. thing. I don't know if you've heard that, oh, that yeah, phrase yeah. before, but we actually do underwater lanyard making. Oh, so really? the kids bring their goggles and they just, as long as they can hold their breath, they work on their lanyard underwater. That's another interest group in our pool. Wow, that's really cool. So the diversity here of, of activities, and you know, I've seen on your website some photos of the kids like doing obstacle courses and other things like that and, and face painting and all this kind of thing. So I know you've got a whole bunch of stuff that kids can go and do. Yeah, and as they grow through the program, so we offer camp experiences for kids going into first through 12th grade, and each program, day camp and the overnight program, and then as they go up and, and get older, they get different activities. So we have two campuses, a Shores and a Pines campus. Our yep. Shores program is obviously on Lake Michigan, and then a, east of Lakeshore, we have a Pines program, and over there, we have a zip line, a quarter-mile zip line that ends up in the lake. And we have a climbing tower where kids can climb to the top. And we love talking to them about setting goals. Okay, how high do you want to get on this tower? I mean, you know a thing or two about climbing. Sure, yeah. Right? Definitely got some rock climbing in my background. (laughs) Yes. And so climbing up, setting a goal and then celebrating with that child or that young adult. Hey, you set this goal and you, you reached it or you didn't reach it. And why? And what would you do differently? And so there's all these life skills that happen as a part of the camp experience too that I just love for kids to get a taste of as they're learning and growing and developing. Right. And it sounds like you have some really good reward systems in place, like the polar bear every day they can get a patch and then there's the cleaning the cabin and you get recognized in front of your peers at lunch, which is really cool. And now you got the different obstacles they're they're over overcoming while they're doing activities. So there's a lot of reward systems in place, which is so encouraging rather than the punishment system, which is completely opposite. So I like your methodology there of let's reward kids for what they've achieved and keep keep them going towards something positive. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I got to give credit to the program team. So I, um, in my role, I'm raising money and I'm making sure we're financially in a good place and providing equipment to people to do their jobs really well. And we have a program yep. team who is just so solid and they find some of the best college students who I say can make a plastic fork fun. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's amazing how their enthusiasm really gets kids excited, and we, we see that in the evaluations at the end of the program. But we also, throughout the day, will do a thing called songs and skits time. Where they will sing crazy songs and oh, yeah. watch these skits, these counselors dress up in costumes and do these fun skits that sometimes really pack a punch, and we talk about, well, what do you think that skit means? And other times it's just ridiculousness and we, and we love both extremes. Yeah. I I think that's a great mixture of you want to have balance with, you want to have fun, but you also want to have meaning. So that makes a lot of sense. And you're doing that uh, kind of thing. So now are all the, are all the meals like communal meals? So the breakfast was just your cabin and then lunch is everybody's together. And then what are you doing for dinner then at the end of the day? 
actually, so for the past couple summers with the state of the world that we're in, we've been eating them all just as a cabin. Oh, okay. So it's a time to build relationship. You know, when you think about it, we live really busy, hectic lives. Right. Kids, very few kids actually sit down for one, if, you know, I mean, let alone three meals a day. Yeah. But to just exhale, right? And, sure. And actually enjoy your food. And you think about what it's like when you get together with your friends. As adults, I'm not talking yep. camp right now, yep. but if, if you go out to a restaurant or something, so much goodness happens over breaking bread together yeah. or being at the table and building community and getting real. And we see that here. Food time, meal time is a very intentional time to check in on the day. How's it going? How'd you sleep? Sure. What are you thinking about? What do you think of this experience so far? And then you see the chatter happen between kids. And yep. we also want to model eating doesn't need to be, you know, picking something up and just running and you're eating on the way or you're not eating as a family because you got right. this practice or that practice or this group meeting or you name it. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's been studies done about people who have, have sat down to dinner over their lifetime as a, as a kid and people who have not and, and how people turn out, you know, I don't know the exact studies, but you definitely can see that in people who aren't having those communal meals or their parents didn't make dinner or didn't have time or, Maybe it's because, you know, they had a mom that was working two jobs and it wasn't anybody's fault, but it just happened. So it definitely makes kids turn out a different way in their lives. I know I sat down for dinner every single night with my family my whole life, and I had two sisters, and fortunately for me, they were finicky, so I got to eat a lot of their food too because I've always been a big eater, so that made me very happy. But <laughs> we definitely sat down as a family, and I and I appreciate that. And my wife and I, you know, we still sit down together and have meals every single night. We were both raised that way, so I love it. Yeah, and, you know, a number of kids, about a quarter of the kids come to camp on some form of financial assistance. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I touched on that before we got too far in of, like, what how, what the Holland Haven Marathon has meant to Camp Geneva and helping us get kids to experience all the things we've been talking about. Yeah in this like day, one day, let alone, they're here for five or six days, depending right. on the week that they choose. But these kids come from all different backgrounds. And then what I love is camp is an equalizer because everybody lives in the same cabin. They're eating the same yep. food and they're all living in their swimsuit. And so there's not these visual identifiers of the haves and the have nots. That's and, awesome. And there's just to see these kids come together and the scholarships that are produced or given by the people who run and and choose to participate in your race. I just want to stress to anyone who's listening to this, how grateful Camp Geneva is for what you make possible here. So first, thank you, Eddie. Yeah, you're welcome. And Um, and, I mean, I couldn't be more excited about that. And I want to thank our listeners and our runners for, you know, those are the people helping me put this together and, and help you. So it overall, it just as a community, it's great to have people that are giving and, and can really help kids get out here and, and do those communal meals and take the polar plunge and all that stuff. That's just so important to kids, uh, just getting through, especially getting through the times we've just had, like you said, where there wasn't a lot of social and they needed to get back to normal, back to nature. So I'm, I'm really glad we've been able to every single year, even last year, it was really rough to make the race happen. I was still able to do it. We were still able to donate and put money, money towards the scholarship funds and get kids in here. So yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, just be in a relationship with Camp Geneva all this time. So that's great for, on my end also. Uh, well, well, thank you. And I, I think about too, um, 
I don't know if the people listening have kids or not, or they remember their childhoods and growing up. And these days we're finding, and the Pew uh, Family Research uh, Group did, did some studies around this, that kids are not spending time in meaningful conversations with an adult. Oh, And so they have transactional conversations like, hey, are you going to pick me up from soccer practice? Right. Or, you know, what time do we need to be ready tomorrow? And so there's a lot of that conversation. But the combination of the amount of technology that kids are on yep. and the lack of meaningful conversations with an adult, there's all these great activities here. But one of the most powerful pieces is simply to have a person listen. Yeah. To I, sit across from an adult and have them say, what's on your mind? That's really cool. And yeah. it seems so simple, but we think if you like just take a pause or you pause this podcast and you just think about your day or think about the last week and say, when's the last time I had a meaningful conversation with someone? Yeah. Yeah. Was oh. it one time a week? Was it two times? And, and you can define what meaningful means to you. Right. But for us, it means, was the kid heard? Do they have doubts? Do they have wonders? Are they struggling with something? And not to interrupt them, not to tell them it's going to be okay, but to simply say, I'm here to sit with you in that. Yeah. Listening, very powerful. Listening is a very powerful tool in communication that you're right, does get overlooked a lot. And a lot of us don't think about it, but you know, I feel like you and I are having a meaningful conversation right now and I'm listening to everything you're taking, you're telling me and I'm taking it. And I'm like, I'm going to take some of this away from myself. I'm not even one of these kids at camp, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. And I, I can appreciate the fact that you are, focusing on the kids being able to listen, to get listened to and, and someone who deeply cares about what they have to say and are not just brushing them off so they can get to the next kid. So that, yeah, that's a, that's a super powerful thing that's going on here that I had no idea and probably nobody else did either. It's convicting for me as a parent. I have two young daughters and things get crazy. Yeah. I'm tired by the time I get home. I just, or my wife, you know, I just, it becomes transactional. What do we have for dinner? Yes. You know, or what do we do? You know, what's this, this, okay, turn on the TV or Netflix or something. And then you're in bed and you right. didn't even really have a, me you know, meaningful conversation. I might say, how was your day? But did I really want to right. know how her day was? Right. And in, in, you know, we get people get in the grind where every day is the same. So a lot of times there's not new things to talk about. I, my wife and I get that way too. And it's almost like, oh, let's have friends over to dinner just to talk about something else. And then you get going on other things. So you know, maybe sometimes it's nobody's fault, but you're right. We do got to have those meaningful conversations and starting that at a young age for kids and where they can find that somebody is listening to them. I can see that's very, very important for them. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to promote all those things. Sure. Kids are at camp and when we give, we ask the kids to fill out an evaluation form while they're still here. And one of the things that we see over and over and over again is the ch the the question is something like, what was your, the favorite part of your week? Or I liked it when my counselor fill in the blank. And so many times I see, listen to me. Oh yeah. Wow. You know, so we get, I think we don't give kids enough credit sometimes that how aware they are Yeah. and how, how they notice it. That's really cool. Yeah. I would have never even never thought of that. So I'm glad you talked about that because I'm sure other people that are listening to this don't see that, that part of it being so important. Uh, to kids when they're out there. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. 
And in case anybody's wondering, we still tie-dye. Eddie, I thought I'd get that oh, yeah. too. That tie-dye Tuesday, all the counselors wear uh, tie-dye. <laughs> well, the, the whole staff wears tie-dye on Tuesday to promote that kids can tie-dye a t-shirt. Oh, really? I'm, I'm a super um, not fan of tie-dye stuff. So <laughs> if I have a tie-dye shirt, I would probably never wear it. I've gotten a few in my life. I think it's great for your for the camp, though. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. What's funny is I was a camp counselor here in college for a summer, and I – remember thinking this is kind of cool i'd never tie-dyed a t-shirt before yeah and i had a few shirts and then i went home or i went back to college and i looked at those shirts and i said when am i ever gonna wear these right again? yes and i've done tie-dyeing before um my son who was a boy scout and i was a boy scout leader for a long time we did that with his troop so i've done it before i i, I feel you on the tie-dye and you get it all over your hands and <laughs> it's hard to get them clean and oh man totally yeah, and Oh, go ahead. It's just a fun activity for the kids to make something goofy. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll also cook uh, a meal over the campfire. Oh, that's great. And do s'mores. And um, we'll swim in Lake Michigan, not polar bearing, but, you know, during the day if the lake cooperates well. And if, again, it's a good lake day for the older kids, they can go tubing on Lake Michigan. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, good. Boy, I got all kinds of stuff to get to do here. That's really cool. Um, can we talk about a little bit about what's going on here with Holland Haven Marathon now? Yes, please. Um, let's just say, like, if people don't know, the half marathon starts here over at the Pines Camp. We're right on Lakeshore Drive at the corner of Lakeshore and Quincy. Um, and you've been hosting us now for, I think this will be the seventh year wow. that you've been hosting wow. the race here at the camp. So it's been amazing. Uh, every year you call me up and you say, what do we got to do for the race? And I'm like, really nothing just let us show up uh we got our our runners come in and we you know i give them a lot of information on what they got to do when they get here and i put out parking maps and tell them where the porta johns are going to be and the start line and the times and they show up and they do a pretty good job of being where they got to be and we got a great staff that helps me and a lot of volunteers that come out so it's been a really good relationship here you've been really easy to work with every single year thanks Hasn't been a problem at all putting well, it together. Eddie, I have to say, I'm so impressed in our program team. You know, they love a good detail or a group of details together. And we're all in awe of how well run this race is. And so if you're thinking about running it or maybe it's full or by the time you get there, there's not enough space or something, but you're thinking about running it in a future year, I've run a number of races. I'm by no means fast, but I do like to run. Yeah. And this race is so unique by how quick they get in and out. The The combination of the sheriff working with the police and the sheriff department and working with the community to get this race off and make it happen. Eddie, we are, we just love a good detail. And so oh, good. kudos to you for how quickly that gets, that happens. And it seems, it seems really, really well, a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, last year was very different. It wasn't as well-oiled as always. <laughs> we could have used a little more oil. <laughs> but it was a huge learning experience for me last year to, to transition everything and make it different. And we still pretty much put on the race the way it was. But last year was a little bit different because what we we didn't start the race here. We actually finished. We had a finish line here, which made it a little different. We had to we had to change the half marathon course. But it came together well. I, you know, I'm I'm very detail-oriented person. Uh, my wife and I are both huge planners. We're always planning everything that we're going to do. And, I, you know, I'm never the type of person that you can just call me uh, and say, hey, you want to go golf in the afternoon because I'm, I'm already got something planned. I'm, I'm a detailed, planned person almost all the time. So it makes for a good race director, I guess, to be 
to have that kind of planning. And there, and there is a lot of details to this. I mean, I have people riding here in buses. They're coming up from Holland and they got to get here at, on the bus at the right time. They got to get back to their, to their car and run home to the, to the finish line. So yeah, there's some, there's some pretty big details on this. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad I make it easy for you and that you make it easy for us. And, and of course that we can support the camp. We are selling out this year. We got we got just a handful of spots left for this half marathon. That's awesome. It's going to sell out, and it sold out. Uh, it didn't sell out last year. We were really close uh, with the COVID numbers, but we did sell out in 2019. So this has been the most popular distance for the race for the last few years, this half marathon that starts right here. So, And it's such a nice course. You just run down Lakeshore Drive, and it's flat. Yeah, so I have a. can I turn the tables on you? I'm yeah. the guest on your show, but can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So if I'm – because I'm someone who – to really just runs five and 10 Ks. I'm not running as many half marathons. And I realize you also have a, an eight K. Yes. Correct. Yes. Um, but if you, if you're a runner, you know, so let's say I'm someone who's qualifying for Boston or I'm trying to qualify for Boston, or I'm just getting started in running, you know, you take those two. Why would you recommend to someone why this course? Cause it's almost the, the half marathon course is a lot different than the full. Right. And so maybe share a little bit about if, if someone was trying to decide, well, that's for just the Boston qualifiers or, oh, that's just for entry. That's for the newbies. How would you, how would you share with someone that they, that this course could be for both those types of runners? Yeah. So the, and so let's talk a little bit about the full marathon course, because you brought up the Boston, we are a Boston qualifying race and yeah, the full marathon, which is in the North half of Lakeshore drive is much hillier than what's down here in the, in the South end where we're, where we're at for the half. So it's going to challenge you in the beginning, the full marathon. There's there's probably a handful of hills where if you're not a really great runner, you might walk them. But if you're a pretty good runner, you could run up them. They're not, they're, you know, they're 30, 40 feet high. There's one, there's one big one uh, right by the Sandy Point Beach House. That's probably the worst. And But once you get down here to, the, to this end of it, it's flat. It's manageable. So I, I say it's... It's challenging enough that good runners aren't going to feel like it's too easy. They are going to work hard, but it's also not such a hard course that the entry-level person couldn't come out here and have a solid race and run and enjoy. And you get lost in the scenery, too. You're running by so many great cottages and down by the lake shore and just so many things to see. And you're, there's a lot of wooded area. It's very much in the shade almost this entire route. It's and then once you turn the corner and get down by um, Lake Makatawa, you're running by another lake, which is a just a cool atmosphere. So, yeah, for for someone like you who's just run a 5K or a 10K, if you wanted to run a half marathon, this is an easy course as far as it being flat. It's very accessible to someone new. So you you could definitely get out here and make it your first half marathon uh, without being like, oh, I'm overwhelmed, and it's really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, my brother ran it a few years ago, and um, I'm not quite ready for the half. I, you're making me feel motivated to, to sign oh, up good. for at least the, the eight. But I um, I do enjoy coming out, and there's few things as motivating as watching. So maybe you're not a runner. Maybe you have no interest. <laughs> yeah. But coming out and just seeing and cheering these people who have worked so hard, right? you know, whether it's hey, they have a family and they're running early in the morning or late at night or they're putting in all these hours and it's culminating 
in this one day for them too. There are a few things as inspiring as watching it. Yeah, because you don't even know how the miles that people have put in for the last few months and just getting up early or getting out in the I mean, it's been hot and humid. If you've been running in Michigan, you're suffering through some hot, humid weather. I mean, I have a hard time golfing this weather, let alone running. <laughs> it's just been kind of miserable all of a sudden. So it's uh yeah, you're right. You you really can see the work pay off of people and when they're out there. So yeah, come out and spectate or come out and volunteer for sure. When you're a volunteer, you are a spectator as well. And we definitely need a lot of volunteers to do, to get the race to go. We need about 150 total. Wow. And so, and just, you can really support people by volunteering too. So that's another great way to get people involved that are not runners. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Unless you got anything else, that's probably what we got for today. We talked about the race. We talked about Camp Geneva. We talked about all the, the donations and and what we can do. So I just want to say thanks for having me out to the camp. Thanks for being on the show. It's been great to catch up with you. We, we talk once a year about the race, and this has been just cool that everybody else can hear what we usually talk about and how we go over it and what's going on uh, a little bit behind the scenes. For sure, for sure. So if you're looking to find out more information about the Holland Haven Marathon. Yep, you can find us on social. You can find us on um, our our website, hollandhavenmarathon.com, of course. And so that's all out there. Uh, hopefully people know that by now if they've been listening. But uh, thanks for bringing that up. And then uh, we'll definitely get, get people involved. Awesome. And then if they're interested in a summer camp um, experience for 2022, uh, registration begins in early January and you can check out our website for more information on the summer camp programs. Yeah. Then that's campgeneva.org. And then also there's, they can donate right there. Uh, there's a giving button where they can donate, uh, to the camp in a lot of different ways to the, the scholarship fund or just a general fund. We definitely want that to happen. And then, uh, find you on social. You're on all the mediums, yep. uh, go in there, go into social media because you just see, like I follow you on Facebook and I see so many great pictures of kids oh, uh, doing all these awesome things that you've been talking about. I have not ever seen the polar plunge one. Maybe I didn't, maybe I missed it, but no one really at seven fifteen wants their picture. Okay. Taken coming out of the lake, so. Maybe that's why. <laughs> um, yeah. And then if someone's interested in getting a scholarship because they can't afford to go to camp, tell us a little bit about that before we go. Yeah. So if maybe you're not in a position to donate, maybe the only way you could attend camp or you have your child attend camp or a niece or nephew or grandchild would be through our scholar receiving a scholarship. And by all means, when you register your child or a child for the summer camp program, there is a box you can check that says, I'd like to apply for a scholarship. It's a really minimal form. There's not much to it. We just ask for a little information and you put the amount that would help you get to camp. We don't want any child to stay home for financial reasons. Yeah. And so it's really easy. Please, you, you wouldn't be taking it from somebody else. We have a lot of generous donors who want to make sure anyone who wants to come to camp can. And that's on the registration form when you sign up in January. Oh, fantastic. So there you go. Um, not only are we promoting that there's the scholarships out there, but go ahead and use them and, and make use of them. If you, if you want to get your kids in here and, and you feel like you can't do it because like you said, every kid should be able to go to camp. All right. Well, Kevin, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up with you on race day, which is not that far from now. Sounds good, Eddie. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. So that was Kevin Vanderclock. So, and like he said, uh, if you want to support camp Geneva, just go on their website, make a donation, and 
if you want to see some great photos, go on their Facebook page and check out all the stuff the kids are doing and love to have you support Camp Geneva. We love supporting them and love having them part of our event. Um, also, if you want to support this podcast or Holland Haven Marathon, or if you have any questions, uh, you can go to our website, hollandhavenmarathon.com. You can go to our run sign up page, runsignup.com slash Holland. You can follow us on Facebook, of course. Get on our email uh, list if you're not already. And, of course, follow the, this podcast, podcasts on Spotify and a lot of other platforms. So keep up with what's going on with Holland Haven Marathon. We will do another episode after the race, uh, a, a wrap-up episode, talk about what happened at the 2021 race, which will be awesome, and uh, get get everything going for next year and kind of kick off uh, what we're going to do for 2022. So that's it for today. And we'll talk about the race on the next episode. And until then, I will see you on race day.